0: How are you doing? This is Amy Covell. I'm Chelsea Wingo. And this is a very special first edition of Hashtag Hashtag Life Goals
1: Goals Movie Movie Reviews. Reviews. Part one. (laughs) We had a lot of movies that we needed to watch for our challenges. Yes, we did. I had a lot in particular that I just kept pushing off and pushing off because things got in the way. And, and we didn't want to have to rush through it, because sometimes,
0: yeah. you know, we're doing so much on the episode that, you know, we can't spend as much time in these movie reviews. Exactly. So mm-hmm. we thought that when we have situations like this, we're going to do a special movie edition. Ooh, it's exciting. Hopefully. <laughs> so welcome to the first episode of Hashtag Life Goals Movie Review Edition. Yes. And what are the movies we'll be talking about today, Amy? So we have four movies that we have watched over the course of the last week that we'll be be discussing, we have the butterfly effect, mm-hmm. the happening, yes, vanilla sky, mm-hmm. and savage land. Yes, so I assigned Chelsea to watch vanilla sky, yes, and she
1: assigned me to watch savage land. Yes, vanilla sky, I actually watched with Amy because we got together for sleepover, yeah, like an impromptu work sleepover, but basically, we were talking about work stuff for life goals, and then she was like, I'll just find the movie. And she spent 30 minutes looking for it, but I appreciated that because she found it. I knew I owned the DVD. because She had like five CD big DVD cases she was plummaging through. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, it
0: is one of my favorite movies. It is in my top five movies I can of see all why. time. Mm-hmm. And Chelsea got to watch me, you know like break down and cry not just like say at the end i cried through the whole goddamn
1: movie i'm sorry i didn't notice throughout the entire thing but at the end i was just like amy are you are you okay i know she kept petting me being like it's okay it's okay but that's why it's
0: (laughs) one of my favorite movies is because it can elicit such a strong response for me no that's great that's awesome yeah um so vanilla sky came out in 2001 Mm -hmm. and it stars tom cruise Penelope Cruz. Two different cruises, spelled differently. Cameron Diaz. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Kurt
1: Russell. Yes. Jason Lee. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: John Galecki from Big Bang Theory has a part in it.
1: Yes. Uh, Noah Tyler is in it as well, who's been in, like, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I think he's also been in uh, Game of Thrones for a role. Yes, he's also been in Game of Thrones. And then also my celebrity doppelganger, Tilda Swinton.
0: I slightly see it.
1: (laughs) It is, you
0: know, Slightly. it's one of those things that you know everybody will have like whatever celebrity they are told they look like, right? Yeah. So she's the one I get the most regularity.
1: Yeah, mine was uh, Young Brook Shields. Um, oh, I could definitely see that. I've got Blue Lagoon. Yeah, <laughs> I've gotten uh, Natalie Portman a few times. I could see that maybe like V for Vendetta age Natalie. Yeah, Portman. V for Vendetta. Yeah, and then I think the other one that I got is. Not Zoe, but Emily Deschanel, who is uh, Zoe Deschanel's sister. Oh, I'm not familiar with her. I'll have to look her up. Yeah, exactly. So those are the three that I get. Anyway, it's not about us. This is about the movie. Well, definitely it was when I first watched it, it was kind of like a like everything was coming at me full force that I kind of had to think and process it for a couple of days. I was intrigued and I liked it, but I was just trying to figure out in my head, oh, was it acting was it editing was it dialogue because it is weird and unique with how it approaches this whole topic of this film which is basically the tom cruise's character he doesn't really know whether he's dreaming or not because of a right. certain situation that's happened and there's definitely a lot of dreamlike effects or scenarios that happen but then it also feels so real
0: i may also say this movie is based on a spanish movie over los ojos, open your eyes. And Penelope Cruz was the female. Yes. And that as yeah, well. You I still haven't seen the Spanish version of the film. I've, it's mm-hmm. on my bucket list. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So definitely going into it, it was just kind of like, whoa, OK, this guy's in a um, weird, unique um, scenario, doesn't really know what's real and what's fake, which is actually very helpful to kind of watch that kind of movie because my psychological thriller deals with that same scenario so that my character doesn't know what's real and what's not. So it's kind of get a nice to get a different perspective. I think going after that, I really love the characters and the timing of the dialogue. I think that was very, very strong. That's something I really, really liked. It the characters were kind of very like fleshed out. And even though even though Tom Cruise is, you know, bit of a wacky person of sorts and that kind of thing. I was still intrigued to follow along on his journey, even though like in the beginning, it's kind of set up that Cameron Diaz is a friend that he's, you know, He's doing, hooking up with her. Yeah, he's hooking up with her. And then he meets Penelope Cruz and then he falls head over heels in love with her. And there's they just, so
0: many moments in the story where it's not just that there are twists. There's so many moments where the entire yeah. movie pivots.
1: Yeah, I think that's what it is. It was a lot of pivoting and a lot of change of direction. It's just like you're kind of left. In a way, it does work of how you're left in the same state of confusion as the main character because you don't really know what's real and what's going on. So I think that was used effectively as well. Yeah. I think one of the things that was a little bit of like a drawback, I just I don't think I liked a lot of the music choices sometimes. Yeah, it's very specific music choices. Yeah, um, it's not necessarily a score
0: for the film. It mm-hmm. is done through a soundtrack. Yeah. And the thing is is the music is chosen for very specific reasons. Yeah, yeah. I actually did a paper on this when I was in college of course in a you film did. music class. And so the choices of playing, you know, that REM song at that time, if you pay attention in the movie, there is exact reasons why they do what they do, whether it's the lyrics mm-hmm. and what they are exactly saying and that's yeah. the undertone of what's going on, mm-hmm. or the fact that, you know, we're playing with this whole dream world that is built off of someone's choices of yeah. art and music and the things that have influenced them in life. Mm-hmm so yeah it's done in a really masterful way and the thing is is it's not just the music that's done that they do it in the entire production design from the way that the mise en scene is Mm -hmm. to whatever the color palette is of a specific scene or paintings you see on the walls everything has a purpose
1: yeah i will say that that was very strong in that the You know, the time jumps, shall we we say, between like the dreams and then what's reality or what seems to be reality or when they're in the prison because Tom's in prison for something he might or might not have done that he doesn't know. Right. And so so that I will say it was masterfully done. I think because it was just so much all at once and I haven't seen a movie like that in a while, it might take a second rewatch for me to see, oh, this connection makes sense or this connection does that. Because I did like it. I probably didn't love it. Probably like the way you did. Because
0: the twists are not one of those things that make the movie not rewatchable. Like, you know, The Sixth Sense, you're never going to have the same experience the next time you watch it because now you know what happens in the end. Mm -hmm. This movie is completely rewatchable and you will notice things and little hidden Easter Mm -hmm. eggs every time.
1: Yeah, no, and I think that's definitely something that you would hope for the best for a movie that you can rewatch it and maybe discover the things that you didn't discover before. Not to get too off topic but I think one of the reasons I still love watching Dead Poets Society is even though I know the story of what happens, I love the journey that these characters go through. The emotional, through. Journey. emotional exactly. journey. Exactly. That's what gives a movie staying power.
0: Yeah. And you and I were discussing some of those underlying themes afterwards mm-hmm. and they you know, they made you uncomfortable when I was voicing them. Yeah. And the thing is, is that's kind of why this movie is so important to me is because yeah. those things are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The idea that life will never be as good as your dreams. So you might as well die. hmm Yeah. Either that or you've got to wake up and start living the life that's there.
1: Yeah. No, definitely. It was definitely kind of like an uncomfortable talking situation to put in. But it's kind of like what Kimmy was saying in our um zero waste episode of like you gotta get comfortable with talking about the uncomfortable. For sure. And that's mm-hmm. what we do every week when we're here. Yeah. You definitely. know, <laughs> So that was the movie that I I asked you to watch. Yes. And then you asked me to watch Savage Land. Yes. So Savage Land, this is a movie I signed to Amy. It was um, done in 2015. It is like a found footage crime horror movie in a sense. Yeah, they do it like in the vein of a true crime show. Exactly. And then um, the reason that I signed this is that because one of the writers slash directors there were three of them that did writing and directing which was a little bit crazy one of them simon herbert came to our lecture at ucla and talked about it and i thought it would be a very fascinating film to give to amy because it's very different in my mind from like the typical kind of like horror crime thriller and it focuses on something completely different rather than something completely very very scary like
0: for sure. And fascinating is exactly the word I would use to describe this movie. Nice. I had to remind myself a lot that what I was watching was not a true crime show. I know. It kind of feels that way a little bit, doesn't it? Like, I had to look it up several times just to make sure, like, this is a fictional story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, it was handled beautifully. You know, kind of mm-hmm. like a mockumentary, but there were no recognizable actors in this. Oh, yeah, no. Which was... perfect for creating that real true crime environment. Mm -hmm. And there were a few points that I thought, oh, the movie's coming to a close. They've made their, you know, their political or social point. Yeah. And then there was more. And then there was more. Mm -hmm. And then there was more. So... It was. I'm really glad you had me watch this. This is Yay! something I, I'm going to be thinking about for weeks to come.
1: No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I particularly kind of really liked about it because it was so different from what I expected it to be. And the focus was not really about the horrible event that happened, but it was really about... The man that was behind bars for this horrible yes, event. Yes, and how you revealed more about him piece by piece by piece with each new interview, each new section we get into each right. of the new photographs, which they had to like do a lot of, not a lot of special effects, but there was like some sort of conniption of how they did it and had to redo it for the film itself. Like, right. A lot of that I, stuff,
0: yeah. I will say the photographs for the first half of the movie, once the photographs were introduced, yeah. um, they were talking about how he had taken such beautiful photographs and how they're also so perfect But to me, they were all so fuzzy, and I couldn't tell what was going on. But as the movie goes on, they start showing us clearer and clearer photographs. So I was like, okay, this was a device that the filmmaker is using Mm -hmm. to not make the situation
1: clear to us until we're deeper into the story. Exactly, yeah. And it's just the focus is more the... I don't want to say a character arc because it's not really a character arc because the only interactions we see of the man behind bars is just through the door frame. So, well, it's not that his character is arching. Yeah, it's no, it's our understanding
0: of that's him. It. Yeah, that's arching. exactly what
1: I meant. Our understanding of his character and how he like perceived it all from the Bits of information. Right. Because it was pretty
0: obvious to me almost immediately that this man was probably not a psychopath, that he probably was more on, say, the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so I was getting frustrated in the beginning of the movie. I'm like, yes, why don't they see this? He does not take in stimuli and respond to stimuli the same way everyone else does. Mm -hmm.
1: That was a big thing that a lot, that a good majority of the characters had their own very strong political and personal opinions of the man behind bars. Like they were absolutely against him. They were completely for him. It was just very confusing to hear all the muddled voices until I loved the actors that played the experts. Mm -hmm. They were fantastic.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. And when they were spouting off facts, like I had to like, I, I didn't want to tear away from the movie, but I wanted like fact check them because even though the story is fictional, I wanted to know if the facts that they were pulling, were Mm -hmm. were not fictional because they sounded like they were probably all very true facts, and that these were all again devices used by the filmmaker Mm -hmm. to make their social political point stronger.
1: Yeah, no, Lawrence Ross, who's one of the characters, he's an actual real person, he's himself, and he actually does a lot of like publication, journalism, and stuff like that. So that is part of his profession.
0: Which which uh, expert did he play? Uh he played Lawrence Lawrence Ross. Right, right. Himself. But describe him to me.
1: Uh, I don't I don't remember a- his name. African American kind of like braided hair. With he, the he, had the, he had the dreads. He had the dreads, yes. He
0: was amazing. Yeah, so Lawrence he's a is great. real so he's a real like
1: Writer, Yeah. Real that's a um, Yeah. Wow. He yeah, he re- he really is this like this reporter where he worked in kind of like crime and stuff like that. I don't know all the details, but he what dabbled in that well, field. Well, now I'm going to have to look up, you know, more of his work because he was fascinating to listen to. Yeah, I believe that his reporter co- said he covered government and community issues. So with him to kind of be in part of Savage Land to kind of discuss this mockumentary found footage event. Right. And I love mockumentaries. So mm-hmm. this was right up my alley, but usually
0: mockumentaries are done in a more comedic fashion fashion
1: yeah um so that's why this was so different for me yeah like i don't know really would i don't think i would really call it a mockumentary like it's probably like a fictionalized found footage style of thing yeah because mockumentaries at that that point you're really picking at it i mean there's no reason to get into semantics
0: yeah i guess (laughs) i mean all of those things would probably fall under the greater um listing of being mockumentary Mm -hmm. because something that is shot in a documentary style but that is fictionalized Mm -hmm. and then within mockumentary then you would have found footage films you would have faux biographical films um and like absurdist period pieces those Mm -hmm. would all kind of fall under that same category
1: well i'm glad that you enjoyed it and it's something that you'll be thinking about so next we
0: have two other movies that our guest Tim Alba assigned to Chelsea because yes. she's working on a suspense script so he said watch the best suspense movie and the worst suspense thriller movie yes. so we recommended to her butterfly effect to cover the best yes and then i recommended to her the happening to cover mm-hmm. the worst yeah
1: i will i will say i was skeptical about the butterfly effect cuz i had heard like Mix things here and there. You know, I think
0: they should never have made sequels to it. That's what does it. Okay. Sequels are almost never as good as the first one. And when they made, they made, I think, two more butterfly effects. Yeah, they did. And so that really deludes people's opinion of the original. The original was groundbreaking.
1: I will say, when I saw the original, I was just like, whoa. Like, I was doing work at the same time that I actually had to stop what I was doing to focus on the film of trying to figure out what was going on and then I also there were a lot of I mean I knew Ashton Kutcher, Kutcher was in it but I didn't realize there was a good portion of people that I love that were part of it I mean Logan Learman he plays his seven year old self but he's almost unrecognizable because they had to put in brown contacts in his, in his eyes so that he looked a lot like Ashton
0: right and then so, Amy Smart you know mm, this was a great role for Amy Smart yeah
1: especially um, what happens for those that don't know the butterfly effect is that a boy named Evan has these blackouts that cause him to lose his memory and when he gets older to the um, college age, which is Ashton Kutcher's character, he finds his journal and finds this power that he has to read entries to recover not only the lost memories, but... But change exactly what happened and change his future, and it right. just goes so into a complete chaotic. It's mess. a very
0: time traveler's wife kind of movie in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie was in my top five for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of fighting for a position in my top five with Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I still need to watch that. And Eternal really Sunshine to. ended up just kind of squeezing it out. I think just from pure rewatching standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because I have too many of these movies that are really hard to watch that are in my top five. Yeah. And so it's like sometimes you need a movie that is a lot easier to watch. And Eternal Sunshine is not a light movie at all mm-hmm. it is another heavy movie yeah. but it's not <laughs> as heavy as butterfly effect
1: <laughs> yeah the butterfly effect um i think it's it's gonna be a little bit while before i actually go back and rewatch it because of how heavy it was but that scene where he goes to the
0: mm-hmm. new future that he's created yeah and, and amy smart is living in a, a trailer park addicted e- to drugs yeah mm-hmm. that Jeez. scene really sums up why you cannot mess with fate why you cannot change the past. Yeah. You're just Mm -hmm. going to make it worse.
1: Yeah, no, it really did a wonderful job of blending not only that theme, but the... It embraced the kind of absurdist way the time traveling thing was, but it still felt very real and felt connective because you don't not only just are going back like once, you go back multiple times and you go to like when he's seven and then when he's 13 and then seven. And right. There are these and, yeah. little
0: key moments in his life that Um, are kind of pinpointed as the place where things took a turn. Exactly. And so those are the places that he keeps trying to get back to to change the course of events.
1: Yeah, and then also I would say dialogue and script-wise, it was very selective of what to reveal and what to choose because the first-time writer would probably just throw in everything. When in this situation, it's not really necessary. You just pick the certain events and moments that count the most and you will fill in all the nitty-gritty details later on. Absolutely. So I loved that. So much, so, so, so much. And I really felt um, I felt a lot of empathy for Ashton's character through for Evan as he kept on jumping back and forth yeah. between forth because he really just wants to make things right. But also in a way, selfishly, he wants to get back. With Kaylee, but right, right. He wants to make it right, but not right for the world,
0: right for himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there will be certain things he's trying to fix because he has now done wrong for this other person. But in all reality, the whole drive for him to do this was to do right for himself. And the movie doesn't change until he makes the drive to do what's
1: right for everyone else but him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when it really is kind of the most pivotal point, which at the very end, sacrifice, sacrifice. Yeah, won't get into it, but just oh, I felt so, so, so bad. I felt so mm-hmm. bad, and then I felt a lot of empathy to even some of the characters that I really didn't like. Like one of the characters is Tommy, and Tommy is Kaylee's brother. That in their beginning scenario, they face a lot of abuse. From right, their father, right. their alcoholic and, father. You know, both
0: Tommy and Kaylee are
1: definitely products of
0: the abuse in their home, mm-hmm. and, but in different ways. Yes, and um for Tommy, that ends up exhibiting in a lot of violence.
1: Yeah, definitely, and especially when Ashton first tries to change it for Kaylee the first time around, it becomes more prominent on Tommy, and then also Lenny, who is another friend yeah. of theirs. He goes through so much from he also went and through a big character change from right, what he was before he's to kind the of end. The
0: example of
1: the um the innocent wreckage of these changes mm-hmm. my mind is still kind of racing because i really do love the movie i will just need to take a step back to yeah. rewatch it again well but... i mean
0: i think you're really starting to get a sense of the style of movie that i am drawn to yeah uh, because i am not a popcorn blockbuster movie person mm-hmm. which you know is a lot of what chelsea likes she likes a lot more too she yeah. likes her small
1: indies but she's big fan of like the popcorn movies i am but i haven't um, been going to them recently because there's just some i'm just like eh, i don't like for me, it so my I tastes like are these changing really
0: big films that are really diving into nitty gritty uncomfortable parts of the human psyche
1: no and i i really do like that too i think that's a uh genre or like niche that I'm discovering that I really like I mean one movie that I actually really do love from a long time ago The Place Beyond the Pines Uh with Bradley Cooper Ryan Reynolds yeah I've read I've read the book yeah I've only watched that movie once and I don't know if I could be able to watch it again without another 15 minutes afterwards bawling my eyes out. Cause that's what I did. I went straight to the restroom after the movie was done. I was crying in that stall for like 15 minutes and I was a ride home for people. They had to wait for <laughs> me to get over my emotional wreckage to be able to drive them home. Cause it affected me so much. Have so- you ever seen identity? It sounds very familiar.
0: I would definitely recommend watching that one. That one is suspense thriller, horror and mm-hmm. it is again one of those
1: mind-bending films. Uh two thousand three? Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Um also in the same way with the butterfly effect, that will have a lot of tropes and things that I will keep in mind when doing my rewrite for my uh my own script. Which I okay. So, so I guess that
0: leads to, to the one that Chelsea hated. Ugh. Which is fine. It was chosen as the worst example of suspense thriller. Yeah. And that is The Happening. So The Happening <laughs> stars Zoe Dachanel and mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg yes. and John Liguizano. Yes.
1: All, great cast, but definitely didn't really have a lot of chemistry together, like right off the bat. Zoe and Mark, I'm sorry. They were just very awkward with each other a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. So there's movies by M. Night Shyamalan. And it came out in 2008. So it is coming on the heels of him having several big successes in a row, starting with The Sixth Sense. Yeah. You know, Great and, movie. Right. And then leading into Signs, The Village, Lady in the Water. Lady in the Water is where things got a little bit different for him and everybody's like, I'm not sure if he is the filmmaker for me. Yeah, but he this was his genre, so he this felt is very his genre. Com- comfortable with doing that. yeah, And because he'd seen so much success, this movie it's not a horrible movie it's mm. not a B movie it's not a movie you're like how did this get made it's very well produced they've got stars yeah. in it
1: yeah it is well produced I will give it that but
0: there are a lot of problems like mm-hmm. that doesn't look like there was any rehearsal time
1: no it doesn't uh, I
0: feel like these actors must
1: have been tricked into doing this movie like they were just yeah. told
0: hey M Knight wants you to be in his next movie and
1: not seen a script exactly and I just also another one of the issues was that at the dialogue it was very very clunky nose to the grindstone like very clunky very very clunky but at the same
0: time without the happening
1: Mm -hmm. do we have movies like bird box that is true i will say that in a way the happening might have been like a thing for them to think about the bird box right right whoever wrote bird box may have seen the happening and be like I can tell a similar story, but I can tell it better. Right, yeah. And then also with the happening, it was for inhaling the toxins from the plants that were going around that were causing people to quote unquote kill right. themselves. And so in
0: Bird Box, they switch the scent and it's about sight.
1: And then, and then in a quiet place, it's all about hearing right noises yes. right. yeah there's a trend going on here <laughs> exactly everybody's like oh there is a story to tell
0: here it mm-hmm. just hasn't been told exactly right yeah. yet and so everyone is continuing to up the ante and try it in a different exactly. way exactly
1: i think honestly i think the happening might have worked better as a book i think as a book oh, it sure. actually would have been done really really oh, well i'm sure it
0: would have been a fascinating read as a book yeah
1: as a book yes but as a movie i think it just yeah no came, it didn't was come off well
0: it wasn't overproduced, but it was heavily produced. Yes. Um, the The soundtrack is actually the score is really beautiful. Yeah, the it. score is actually not that bad. Um, um, but I could see, like, I'm watching an actor like John Leguizamo who is such a stunning actor oh, no he's great he's so amazing I love him more than Mark and Zoe well actually. and I think Mark Wahlberg is a, a really good actor as no well, I think and Zoe too Deschanel, yeah they're but all at the great same time like that's why I'm like I feel like there was zero rehearsal time in there because even in John Linguizano's performance it doesn't feel genuine
1: the yeah. actors have not bought into the situation Yeah, yeah yeah no I think that was also a big thing and then maybe also at the time with the whole plant scenario like to try and interpret that in and make it scary. Well, so. you got to remember, this came out
0: in 2008. That is true. Yeah, no, it was so 2008. So we are coming so. out of the age of anthrax. Okay, yeah. And from the anthrax scares. Mm-hmm. And so that idea that when they start the movie off and they say that this has got to be chemical warfare, this has got to be terror terrorism, those were real fears that yeah. we lived with at that time in mm-hmm. the wake of 2011 in anthrax. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it didn't seem too far off. I think that they exposed the true
1: source too early in the film. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think if maybe they kept it hidden We're, a little bit, then which it is might funny have
0: because been. M Knight usually waits until the last second for his yeah. twist, and which is why sometimes his twist is super disappointing. Mm-hmm. But this one, he he overcorrected and he showed the twist way too early. Mm-hmm. There's a happy medium, M Knight. Yeah. If you're and listening, then, there's a happy there's a, medium of when you can break that down. And it's about 70% through the film, not 50, yeah. not 98.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then I think also the other thing regarding the, uh, plant toxin release, uh, with the whole thing towards the end, like it seems like it's surrounding, it, it seems like it's going to happen and then it doesn't affect them. I'm sorry if I'm going to be spoiling the movie for people. Spoilers. As soon as the wind comes with the parent toxins, they're not affected by it. So then it's just believed that it is gone as quickly as it came, which felt very unbelievable for me. Like maybe if there's like a hiccup like in between, then maybe the wind is not
0: actually the sign that the toxins are coming through. That is kind of a byproduct. We always have wind. Yeah. The true, the true breakdown of why they weren't affected is because the plants did not release the toxin because the plants were not threatened because they were a smaller
1: group. Yeah, there are three people. But then it started attacking but then it attacked the individual of the of the lady that was outside when it was just the three of them. Correct, because she posed a threat. See, now now it's making sense. But at the time, I was just like, it's not making sense here. I know that it was doing like enough, smaller, yeah. smaller, smaller groups. But then and then afterwards, it went away. And then towards the end, it's a perceived it's, threat. It's yeah. like if you get attacked, if you ha- get attacked
0: by a group of people in your home, you look to see who is the most important threat to take out. Yeah.
1: But then, of course, at the very end, everyone's in the city get together and they're all living happy harmoniously. So then the threat has been eradicated. Correct. Yeah, and then yeah. the twist at the end. of That like, twist, of course. Yeah, it's very M night. I think with a lot of the points that you've said, if if maybe the culprit wasn't revealed too soon and the dialogue wasn't as clunky or on the nose, or right, those just, characters needed more development. Yeah, and they then were the very two dimensional. The pacing also threw off because you were saying that it progressed forward. Yes, but I think what my issue was is that the pacing is like maybe too slow here, too fast here. Like it wasn't a correct. For me, it was pretty fast-paced all throughout. But yeah,
0: maybe you're right. Maybe there needed to be more of an ebb and flow. But I think this was a good movie for you to watch because especially since the dialogue is clunky and there are some plot issues in the sense of when things should be revealed, that shows you how... Unaffective
1: your thriller will be if mm-hmm. these things aren't lined up correctly yeah exactly and uh, with the comments in class already our lecture teacher he's been he's, he's been very encouraging and very positive that it feels like it's dark it's sexy it's like confusing but like along for the ride and even some of the absurdist parts that I've been unsure of throwing in some of my classmates have said I want to see more of that so exactly. it's like exactly okay, maybe I can embrace in the, embrace this a little bit more. Because in this
0: genre of suspense and thriller, it is a totally different thing that's going to capture your audience than mm-hmm. it is in a regular drama or a comedy. Yeah. There are very different ele- elements that get people to buy into a psychological thriller.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Even very different than from horror. Because horror is a lot yeah. about the jump scare, the shock. Yeah. Whereas in a psychological thriller, it's all about making the characters doubt themselves and making the audience doubt what they know.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to take is that I think my big thing is I want the audience to go through the main character's journey because I want them to be kind of uh, like follow along and feel empathy, but not really know what truly is happening right. along with the main character. The audience can't be the omniscient observer. Yeah, they no. need
0: to be on that ride and they need to be as confused and turned around
1: as the main character. Yeah, I think that's a big thing for a lot of films, actually. Not just for this suspense thriller, but like a lot with like with dramas. That's that they need to be along with the main character. Because with, I think someone said, it, I don't remember who, but they said you focus on one perspective when you're watching the film. Like whose perspective are you focusing right. on? And mostly it's one main character that you're right. going on their journey. It's not everybody's like bits. and It's not something like Valentine's Day or... Uh, what was it? Uh, love actually like that that was a little bit different, but those right work, those are ensemble movies. Those are ensemble movies. For most times, it's one character's journey that you follow through and whose side you see for a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. just, yeah, exactly. So yeah, whew, those are uh, those uh, four movies. And well, thank you guys. I hope you enjoy hearing us dive deep into these yes, movies that we've been watching you. over the
0: past week. Mm-hmm. We will have more of these movie review episodes coming up in the future. Yes. Let us know if you like them or if there are specific movies you think we should watch. Yes. And we would love to get into these conversations about it because that's what we're here to do. Yes. We're filmmakers. It's part of our industry. It's, we need yeah, this research. This is research. <laughs> this is important for
1: what we do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, until then, I'm Chelsea Wingo. And I'm Amy Covell. And this is Hashtag Life Goals Movie Review Edition Part 1. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye.